Regular listeners to the podcast will know that I am directing Twelfth Night here at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. As you hear this, when I post this, we are two days away from our first preview performance, which is this Wednesday night. I'm sitting here with my leading ladies, Abby Lee playing Olivia, Caitlin McWethy playing Viola and Cesario. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Shoot, that's my bad. That's totally on me. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 622, Viola and Olivia. My production of Twelfth Night opens this week at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and I've had such a great time working with this incredibly talented company who make it look so easy. Last week, just before we went into tech rehearsals, Caitlin McQuethy, who plays Viola, and Abby Lee, who plays Olivia, sat down with me to talk about their characters, this production, and how it differs from other productions they've seen or been in. This is your and my first time working with Cincinnati Shakespeare, right? Truth. True. First time. First time. But is this your first experience with Shakespeare? No. Okay. Not my first experience with Shakespeare, no. Uh, well, it didn't look it certainly didn't look like it in rehearsal, could I just I I would hope so. <laughs> that, but that's a scary comment. Yeah. <laughs> Question, innocent, born of innocence. Um, uh, 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 but, you know, most of most of my Shakespeare experience has been reducing it, you know. And although I've cut this script a little bit uh, to trim it, to try to get it to two hours, um, it's still the complete Twelfth Night. Um, does it, 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 right, it's the complete work of, the complete work of Twelfth Night unabridged. Um, has there been anything different, for, well, on that, it's a question really for both of you, because Caitlin, you've been with the Cincinnati Shakespeare for a long time. Time, right yeah, this is my sixth season. Your sixth season, and 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 what number, what what number production of Twelfth Night is this for you? Actually, this is only the second one. Really? But yeah, I. Were you in the last one? I was. I was Valentine. Oh. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, with the giant exposition monologue right at the beginning, uh-huh. where you have to make sure that everything is super clear. Really thankless role, but like yeah. it's a hard job. Uh, Valentine the exposition machine. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so no, but before that, I, I've you know done the various educational tour things, and there's always like the like Bard's Best kind of like selected scene things, and in that I've come across multiple Twelfth Nights where I've been lucky enough to play Viola. So it's been one that's like, come on, someday universe, I know this one, this one's got to be coming around the bend someday. So right. uh, thank you for letting me do it. Listen, listen. <laughs> I mean, the great thing about this process has been weirdly, as the director, I had no say in the casting. I was given my cast by Brian Isaac Phillips, the artistic director. Sowie. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Thank God. He casts really well. You know, all props to him because you guys are great. I've had nothing but a good time. Um, um, has has So Viola was sort of a, on your radar as yeah. something you'd was, was is, is Olivia a part that you know, little girls grow up to play, go, I want to play Olivia. It never occurred to me that, that it was a part I would play. Never, never. Never, Yeah, never, never. Why? Because she's a widow? She's... Um, I don't know. Actually, I've been recently talking about this, too, because I, I was talking with Justin McCombs, who's our fight 
choreographer. Um, his wife, Maggie Lou Rader, played Viola the last time we did it, where I was Valentine. Uh, <laughs> exposition machine. Um, but uh, apparently she also expressed the same thing, that it was like, Olivia is a freaking phenomenal role. Why is that not right up there with, with the rest of them? Because in doing this, I'm realizing how much more fun Olivia is to play than Viola, and yet Viola is the one that gets the thing. But maybe that's just a grass is greener kind of so. feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm having fun. It's a lot of fun. Abby, are you going, God, that Viola looks like a fun part. Or are you going, oh, thank God I'm playing Olivia? Um, I, I, happily, my brain doesn't work like that. Good. I don't, Good. yeah. Sorry. Um, no, 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 that's, it's, but that's, how great is that to be self-aware like that, to go, yeah, no, I don't think that way. Yeah, yeah, um, I like the role of Viola and Olivia, but I, I wonder, like, because we were talking that Olivia is more in the Kate family from Taming of the uh -huh. Shrew, Taming of the Shrew fame, right. um, and, but Kate is on the list for a lot of people. Yeah. And why would Olivia not be? Yeah, and I think she's in more of it. Kate yeah. is in more of Taming of the Shrew. Right. Um, particularly the first act. Yeah. And I, I think that there's more um, arc. Yeah. Like you have to, for Olivia, you have to create an arc, yeah. a prior arc that isn't there in the script. And I, I would argue she's a bit underwritten. Uh, Can I say that? Is that is you're that absolutely no. Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely can. Orsino's another one that's incredibly underwritten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, whoever the boy is who first played Olivia, Shakespeare was able to go, oh, good, you, you make it work. Just go off and make it work. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I would say there's, there's a lot of um, onus on the actor to create particularly first act Olivia. Yeah. It's not in the writing. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. No, I love that idea that Olivia is in the Kate uh, genre of Shakespeare's women. In that she's a strong woman who who deserves so much better than all the other men in her life. Everybody telling her what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly people that work for her are telling her what to do. Yeah. Um, and even like the, the man, a man who loves her is saying, you have to love me back. No, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Like, right. yeah. Um, similarly with Kate. She yeah. doesn't love Petruchio. Like, go screw, you know? Right. <laughs> and can you articulate what, what either what in Cesario kind of opens up um, Olivia or what in Kate playing Viola playing Cesario opens up for your Olivia? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think um, because Cesario is actually a woman, there is um, a, a relationship that Olivia and Cesario can develop because Cesario is a woman that she couldn't develop if Cesario were actually a man. Right. Um, and it, but it's unconscious. Correct. Yes. Yeah, unconscious. Yeah. But there's something about it that they could actually have a conversation and say what they actually mean. Yeah. And, yeah, express that. And can you, Kate, can you articulate Viola's, well, attraction? I was going to say that's not the right word, but maybe it is the right word. No, but I, I agree. In that first, the first scene of the meeting of the two of them, uh, something that we've discussed that really helps me sort of wrap my brain around around their relationship is um, is coming in that uh, Viola comes in with the bravado of what is expected of a man and then uh, Olivia even accuses her of the rudeness and everything that she's doing and then and then Viola's uh, text really shifts to 
to talking about uh, that's where the mention of Maidenhead comes in and uh, and I think that uh, in there Viola changes tactics to actually be listening to the woman and what she is asking of her um, and uh, li listening to Olivia and I think in that moment is when Olivia sees a person actually hearing her and respecting her wishes and Cesario is just responding to a woman as she would like to be responded to as a woman <laughs> so um, we're gonna just have a conversation as equals and in that moment is the spark that we we've oh this is how we can talk to each other and how we want to be talked to each other yeah, yeah. The, the flattery ends yeah um, and the, the beautiful connective poetry Right. Begins like you were saying, maybe. Yeah. Well, and this is only sort of just occurring to me. We not only do we never see Olivia having a substantive scene with any of her other suitors. I'm now I'm now imagining, based on what you said, she's never had a conversation with any of her suitors. Whenever she's told her what she thinks, every other suitor is going, "God damn it, Olivia, you gotta, you gotta do what I say." And this is the first time where somebody says, "Okay, I'll change my approach." Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. You just worded, or at least what I'm uh, what I'm feeling is the interpretation in this show. I think that also people can be interpreting it in various ways in various uh, productions. So, um, so. For us, right now, at this time, that feels right. And especially right to do this play now. Um, and in that scene today, uh, at this time, is like, it's so wonderful to be able to have two women alone, especially in Shakespeare, two women alone on stage conversing with each other as equals. Yeah. Um, and one of them has to be a man uh, in one order of them to do it. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Isaac Phillips, Producing Artistic Director at the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Our 2018-2019 tour of William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged, The Ultimate Christmas Show abridged, and the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged revised continues this week in Harrisonburg, Virginia, then continues on to 21 more cities in 18 different states featuring 11 different actors and three different stage managers. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Caitlin McQuethy and Abby Lee, who play Viola and Olivia in my production of Twelfth Night, which opens this week at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. The other thing that Viola and Olivia share is loss, great, huge loss. It's it's real in Olivia's case, it turns out not to be real in Viola's case, but does that, does that shared loss help in the attraction, the communication, the sisterhood between you guys? I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, like, I, I think that there is... This is strange, and maybe I'm bringing in like too much of my personal life with this, but uh, <laughs> I was just thinking of doing that too. Oh, yay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
weirdly, weirdly, I wonder, even though they don't have a con they don't have this conversation, they don't ever um, Olivia never discovers, at least not until the end, um, uh, Viola's loss. But um, I know of hers, so there's that. But I do think that there is a, when someone has experienced great loss, there is, you just know in the other, in another person, when, and, which is a great acting choice, right? It's really active, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think there's something that you sense in another person uh, who has felt that kind of pain. Um, well, if, you were gonna say? Yeah, yeah. The pain causes great um, vulnerability yeah. and transition and shift and growth, and, and I think that's universal. Yeah. And there are those connections, as you're saying. It's you said it's a great acting choice, but it kind of is. There is a kind of a you know a boing of eyeballs locking, going, wait a second, I sense something yeah. with you, and it changes things. It changes the mood, the tone of the of the room. I have that in my life, and I feel like when. And I learn it about someone else or or I will meet someone and I have a and I feel comfortable with them and then later I'll learn that they have also lost a person um, then it's like uh, oh that's why yeah. that's why we, that's why we have that connection that explains yeah. that connection that we have yeah that we, there's no other reason to explain right yeah. right right that's how it feels it feels yeah, like yeah, magic yeah weirdly loss trauma any of that yeah yeah, yeah. just open us up getting back to what you said earlier, Kate, about how, God, Olivia seems like a fun role, and why don't people <laughs> like to like that role, is part of it that Olivia has all these great scenes and none of the kind of narrative burden that yeah. Viola has? You know what? Actually, in hearing you speak about that, uh, Abby, I, I feel like maybe that's it. And also that there's a lot of, that there is a lot of space for actor interpretation, which I think maybe in, I feel like a lot of my ideas about Shakespeare's roles sort of get got solidified as a young actor yeah, and I was yeah. like I want to play these leading things you know and um and uh, and and now as I'm as I'm growing hopefully <laughs> in my abilities you start to realize that actually there is while it is more at sea and more frightening to be a role that is underwritten perhaps yeah. it is also freeing in a in a in a way that you don't get when you're that 20 year old who's like what scene do I want to do for my final ooh this one where there's lots of talking you know so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that maybe that's what it is that yeah. or that Olivia is is sort of intimidating to a young actor perhaps because there is less but also as as an older actor it's like look at the possibilities yeah. and that's what's thrilling mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, I, I've seen 12 night a couple times and I've never understood Olivia like who is like all I know about Olivia is that she falls in love with a man dressed as a woman a woman dressed as a man <laughs> do I understand that I don't know originally it was a man dressed as a woman yeah. dressed as a man yeah. right thank you thanks for the same yeah. um, <laughs> but who is this person? I don't know. So, right. yeah, we had to figure it out. So you've seen productions of Twelfth Night, but you've never been in one, Abby, correct? Yeah. Correct. Correct. Kate, you've been in uh, been in one and seen more, I'm guessing. How, I, I, granted, the, you're, I'm, the director is asking you this question, but how does this production compare with other Twelfth Nights that you've seen? Or Kate? Amazing. <laughs> 
Well, while you think about that, let me because let me just say the way that it compares for me is that I didn't think that I would get such a great cast that I of people that I'd never seen before. I knew that it would have nice music. I didn't understand how amazing the music would be that Carrie Davenport has written for this show. Really beautiful. Um, I I thought we'd have a little skirmish between uh, Viola and Sir Andrew, broken up by Antonia and Sebastian. It's turned into a massive brawl that is amazing. And I didn't think there'd be this amazing dance, you know, at the end. So uh, on every level, it's Darnell Pierre Benjamin. Thank yes. you, Sharnell. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, and it's going to uh, it's going to look amazing. We, we as we record this, we're not in. We haven't seen the set uh, yet. But um, you know, for me, for me, it grounds all of that. Grounds the comedy, which I'm always searching for, is ways to ground, make the comedy born of a real place to give stakes to the comedy. So it's just not generic Shakespearean silliness. So for me, that's what I'm really thrilled about. Yeah, you have a, a really fun concept of setting it in the 1850s, which is really, it's really, it's super fun. It gives a lot of more specific choices to make for the, for, for us. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. It feels like it gives backstory to, to everybody. Really. Yeah, and uh, in my, my first, like, knee-jerk response to what you've said is that it, I feel like Twelfth Nights generally are all all fun and games and fluff, or they are, they go too far into the into the tragedy, yeah, and it's hard to find the sweet spot right down the middle that has both, and I think we come, I think we, I, I, we haven't, you know, put all the finishing touches on it, but from what I can tell, I think we're hitting it closer than I've seen, um, which is exciting, woo, woo. Uh, but I think that's the challenge, with yeah. this with this play and especially because it's so hilarious yeah. and 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 there is such deep loss that doesn't always get the the text that it you know so that we have to find that and craft that as the actors so i think it's like it lends itself to one or the other but finding both is a challenge so well done <laughs> And, and the final scene, I think, has so far been the greatest example of that because the there are so many ridiculous, comically hilarious revelations in that final scene of Twelfth Night. Um, but so far, even in rehearsal, they are grounded by the complete, utter confusion and emotion from Orsino and from Olivia of people figuring out, wait, what? What? And is my life about to be ruined or completely saved? And that knife's edge. Times two. Times two. That, that sort of knife's edge of despera desperation and desire, I think, is really hysterical. I remember, too, also, I, like, the first time we put it up on our feet and uh, that final scene, and I looked across the room and I saw um, uh, Patrick Phillips, who plays Sebastian. Um, and, like, for the first time when I wasn't thinking about words, I could actually just act and say, like, hearing his text to me, and I just immediately, like, the waterworks just started going because it's so because that like looming loss of him and then see like seeing the person physically there how I don't know that's just overwhelming and it was so great to be in a situation where it's like in rehearsal we have crafted a situation here that feels that supports a real emotional response I guess that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like holy crap I have two lines here and I'm weeping <laughs> Usually you need like to ramp into it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I 
think that's just a, the, a testament to the realism, the realism in the storytelling there. And, uh, and young Master Shakespeare. Yes, well, and that. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. My production of Twelfth Night runs at Cincinnati Shakespeare Company until December 8th, and I hope you can see it. Go to cincyshakes.com for more information. Then send us your letters, forged by Mariah, to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to long lost twin Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Ken Rin. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Brian Isaac Phillips, producing artistic director of the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company. Thanks so much for having me. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 622 1866ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. We haven't done the drunk through yet. When should we do that? <laughs> well, and I hope that you both get to play all the roles you want to get. And I hope, Kate, you get to play Olivia, even though it's really, it's no Valentine. Oh, right, yeah, Valentine was really the pinnacle. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.